guys. Welcome back to another episode of We Believed You. I'm Michelle. And I'm Eric. And I want to talk about my birthday. Okay. What happened? Oh, yeah. Because oh, you were doing that crazy stuff going into dead people's uh, last ride. It was not crazy. I don't know why you have to be so judgmental about it. No, it's not crazy. It's just kind of creepy. It's not I mean, creepy. personally for me. <laughs> no, I will say, okay. So if you guys haven't listened to previous episodes, um, Carlos got us uh, essentially a ghost tour around Austin, visited a whole bunch of like haunted locations, but they drove us around in a hearse. And it was like the best part of my birthday celebration. Did they have like um, champagne for you and stuff like that? Or was it like... They didn't, but we could bring our own drinks. Hmm. So, I mean... Let me guess. White Claws? No. Actually, okay, so here's what happened. It was kind of off to a bad start, I will say. I was super bummed because, yeah, they said we could bring our own drinks. But the thing is, we they were picking us up from a different restaurant, so like we couldn't bring the drinks in. So we're like, hey, can we just like stop off at our car real quick? Um, and they're like, yeah, of course. So then we actually get into the car, and then she just starts driving and starts to tour. And I was like, oh, my white claws. <laughs> so you did <laughs> so have white claws. I did have white claws. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I didn't actually get to drink them because she just kind of, like, took off. Um, and, like, literally Carlos and I were like, it's okay. We won't speak up or say anything. Just real quick, just real quick backstory on the white claws. I uh, she she started drinking white claws, right, and because she liked them and stuff. And I just made fun of her and I called her a basic bitch for it. So it's for Christmas, calories. yeah. Well, anyway, uh, I got her for Christmas this uh, like silicone sleeve from beerzy.com. and uh, you basically slip it over your uh, drink. Um, but this one's like looks like a white claw type design, but it says like the flavor. It says basic bitch. So I don't know. That's that's why it's funny. So he thinks I'm a basic bitch. Basically, mm, I was just I was doing it to you know have fun with her. I don't really think that, but Only proceed, when I did with the, proceed with your story, my sister. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, it was probably best that we did the tour like completely sober, just you know to really take everything in. Um, but yeah, she started off with saying that yes, it was an actual hearse, and yes, there was dead bodies in there. Um, so that was fun. Uh, and then we, we went around Austin. Um, do you remember the house? Um, Jesus, I'm already forgetting the name of the house. The house that, that Dan was talking about, uh, in his episode that he said he researched, you know, one of the Austin locations and it was hilarious because we like walked up to the front of the house and it's nighttime. We couldn't actually go in because it was actually part of the university and stuff. Oh, okay. Um, the one with the lady. Got it. Got it. Yeah. yeah I don't remember. One. I still don't remember what it's called though. I'll figure it out. <laughs> sorry, <Asshole>. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so, but but it was it was oh Littlefield. Uh, okay, yeah, right, that Littlefield right. house. Yeah, it was. Uh, so she, so we walk up to the house. She's like, and this is the Littlefield house. I was like, oh my god, I know this house. Uh, never mind, go. Because I just, I don't know. I get super nervous talking about our podcast because I'm super self conscious about it. I'm not gonna lie. And uh, I'm self-conscious about everything that I make. So this is just another one of those things, right? Dude, literally and anybody that I can tell that I have a podcast with my sister, like I say it to them just because that's, that's more viewers. That's why, that's why you're, we're a great team. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was like, I'm just, I just want to talk about ghosts. Um, but anyway, so this, this girl, uh, 
I got all excited like that. She's like, well, well now I want to know. And, um, so I was like, well, it's because my brother and I started a podcast, blah, blah, blah. One of our guests talked about this house and now we're actually here and I'm super excited. So she, you know, gave us a history of the house and everything. And one thing that, uh, you know, Dan said that you'd see a woman in white and that's like the lady of the house. So she did talk about her and brought her up. But one of the creepy things, uh, and probably like, yeah, one of the creepy things that, that she mentioned was um, she used to like watch the UT tower being built, like before it was actually built. Um, and she would see like a dark cloud over it like above it and she actually wrote it in her journal that that she would see this dark cloud over it and it was just kind of like an ominous looking thing and fast forward to um do you remember the the sniper shootings yeah happened at the ut tower yeah um charles whitman so the creepy thing was i mean i don't personally remember it but i i've heard about it okay well just a super quick thing charles whitman he uh went up to the UT tower and just essentially started sniping people, um, just random people on the street. And he killed a lot of people. Um, but the really creepy thing is like in his like manifesto or, you know, whatever he, he was mentally ill, like he, he had issues, but he talked about a black cloud over the UT tower and that would reach down and try and like touch these people to take them to hell so that's why he was killing them to save them, quote unquote. Um, but I mean, there's no way for him to know that. Uh, what was in her journal? Yeah, what was in her journal? Because I mean, it's a private journal. And this was like 30 or 40 years, I think, um, in between. And yeah, it's not like her journal was was made public. And uh, yeah, so that was just kind of like a, a creepy thing that, you know, she told us that I was like, that's yeah, it that is pretty weird. But a couple other places we visited were the tavern um, in Austin and then a restaurant called the Clay Pit. And we actually went there last night to eat or have a drink at the tavern. And then we went to eat at the Clay Pit. So that was fun. Um, and yeah, we, I mean, just rode around, heard the ghost stories, heard the you know backstories of like why these ghosts are, are there and who they might be and everything. And it was super fascinating. I mean, like I said, I knew it was going to be a lot more of like a history lesson than actually trying to look for ghosts, but we didn't, uh, we also went to the Driscoll too. We started there and it was just a lot of fun. Honestly, I didn't, I didn't uh, experience anything. I just spooked myself out more than anything, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was a good time. I was going to ask if you had experienced anything while you were going through it. No, I think I just kept giving off these vibes of like, I don't want to see anything. I do, but I don't want to see anything, but I really, really do, but I don't. And the ghosts are probably like, listen, you can't make up your mind. I'm just going to leave you alone. That's probably what I would do. So yeah, they left me alone. And uh, I mean, it's not like we're sponsored by them or anything, but I mean, do you want to give people like if they want to do this ghost oh, tour? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's called Haunted ATX. Um Right now, they're only doing private tours, which, I mean, it's not a bad thing because you can ride around in a hearse. Um, they also do uh, van tours with, like, a, you know, random group of people. But because of COVID, they kind of shut that down. But if you have a big group of people, I mean, you can take one of those vans instead. It was a lot of fun. I had a good time. Our uh, uh, driver was really nice. And, yeah, she just forgot to take us to her car so I could get my claws. But whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it sounds fun for sure i mean I, like i know i know i give you a hard time about the hearse but 
I do feel like it is a little creepy, but I mean, I think it's part of the experience. So I, I, I would probably still be down to do it. <laughs> and I will say it was very weird, like coming in and out of a hearse, like in downtown Austin. Just, Did like, you just have people staring at you? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, I tried not to like look at anybody because I was super self-conscious, you know. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of funny. You should have had like Carlos like drag you out of the back and just like right <laughs> and shit. Just gone limp and have him like yeah. yeah. Or they should have opened the back and just like just tossed you in. Yeah. Or, or, or tossed you in, like had both of them like carrying you and then just like one two three and like tossed yeah. you in the back. That would have been awesome. That, that would have been. I did. I did take. I did take lots of pictures, so maybe I'll post those on uh, the Instagram of the Driscoll and and the Littlefield house and everything <clears throat> so yeah i'm I'm uh kind of excited about today's episode because uh he was uh had some nursing home ex- experiences and i've had plenty of those so it's nice to hear I'm, I'm excited to hear um somebody else's experiences in a nursing home and then based off of that summary that you sent I already know which story that it's similar to of yours. So I'm excited for you to finally share that story in particular with everyone. Yeah. I mean, there's so many and, and I, like, again, I can't wait to like say more of them and, and, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm happy. I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. Well, without further ado, here is our guest, Matt. All right, guys. So today we have Matt here with us. Matt, say hello. How's it going, everyone? Um, talk to us a little bit about yourself. Tell us who you are, what you like, what you do, stuff All like right. that. Let the people know who you are. Well, uh, my name is Matthew. I'm like 31 years old. I'll be 32 next month. I'm a retired EMT. I was a EMT for five years out in Texas and did a little bit of work in a nursing home while I was working my way through EMT school a few years ago. Um, my wife, Kelly, is a published uh, fiction science fantasy author, so I do some writing with her from time to time. I'm real big into like games, D&D, tabletop, computer, what have you. Um, currently, I'm studying to get my commercial drone operator cert from the FAA so I can start flying drones commercially. But nice. uh, we moved out here to Florida from Texas uh, about six months ago when the pandemic was really kicking off to kind of help out my family. My family's had some health issues that they've been dealing with and they need an extra set of hands and me with my medical background and experience. It was a it was the best course of action for us to come out here and help them out. So that's pretty much what I've been working on while my wife's been working from home as a writer and a virtual assistant to a indie publishing firm. And it's been, it's been an interesting year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's nice. It's nice to start uh, making contacts who are in the writing community. Right, yeah. Michelle? Oh, yeah. We had someone tell us we were going to write a book together and I was like, well, neither of us know how to write. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, we know how to write. We just don't oh, know yeah, how to write okay. well. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Well, when all of this is over, y'all, y'all got my contact <laughs> info. Feel free to reach out. My wife has a Facebook group that she's really, really, really heavily active in that has a bunch of resources for new writers and she loves encouraging and supporting the writing community in general. So if y'all are, if y'all are interested after this interview, I'd be more than happy to connect y'all with her. So that'd be, yeah, that'd be awesome. Cool. So, 
Um, Michelle usually, well, I'll let her ask because she always likes to ask this question. Oh, yeah. So, so my question for every guest was, what was your very first paranormal encounter that you can remember? Um, like this isn't, this isn't the story that I came on to tell you yeah. guys today, but, uh, the one that always sticks out to me, and this seems to be kind of a recurrent one is like driving down the highway late at night when you're a kid and looking out the window and being able to see something running alongside the car. That's yeah. always one that sticks out to me because I have very distinct memories when I was little of seeing stuff like that. So that was really cool. What, what was it that you were seeing? Like, was it an animal? Was it a person? Was it just it was, some random? It was kind of like a greyhound is what it looked okay. like to me. But like wow. bigger and cooler looking. <laughs> a hellhound. I was going to say, I want to, I want to say there is some sort of creature like that, but I just don't know off the top of my head what it would be. I would have to actually look it up and see, but uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I grew up in Florida too, so it's there's always weird stuff happening down in Florida, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say that uh I know as a kid like I always especially driving down to the valley if you're going to San Antonio or you know anywhere up north really you have to go through like Kings Ranch mm-hmm. and it's just a whole bunch of nothing. Oh yeah. Um and I, yeah, I would always just like stare out of the car at night and just hope that I would see like a UFO or like some lights and they're like, just, I wanted something, but I mm-hmm. never saw anything. You got lucky and you actually saw something. <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah. The closest I've ever come to anything like that is I, I think driving up to Houston from the, from Brownsville, um, my wife and I were, were in the car and I want to say it was sometime around maybe winter or the, like around this time. Um, and there was, a like you would just look over and you would see deer like on the side of the road, just, mm-hmm. you know, chilling, you know, but the thing is like, since it's dark and like, you're just driving past them, the light barely hits them. So they don't look like, like actual, like, they don't look like, like the color of deer. They look like, uh, apparitions. They look, they look like, yeah. Like, this blue figure, like just standing on the side of the road. And it's weird. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, I mean, you know, it's a deer, right. But it mm-hmm. just looks ghostly. I don't know. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> Uh, the hogs are, the hogs are even worse when you do that. Like we had a herd of about 20 of them out in our front yard a couple weeks ago and we went out there and hit them with the light and it was, it was unsettling, especially a couple of the bigger ones. Cause you're like, that's something that's not supposed to be there. And I know what it is, but it just, it doesn't look like what it is. So yeah. 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 I was going to say that whole, uh, it wasn't a meme, but that one guy that's like, we need our guns just in case there's 53 hogs out in the front lawn. So that's probably actually accurate. Like a thing. Uh, it's that's only a slight exaggeration, actually. Okay. And a couple of the ones that were out in our yard were easily 350 to 400 pounds. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. That's and, crazy. Uh, All right. So <clears throat> I'm really excited to hear about your story. Well, do you have any other experiences besides the highway or um when I was when I was in college, um, me and my friends worked at this church camp in uh Florida and pretty much all the places I've been to have been out in the sticks. It's away from people, especially at night. Everything's dark. There's not a whole lot of light aside from what you have up in the sky. So we're driving down this country highway on our way to work at this church camp. And off in the distance, we see a formation of lights. And we're like, well, there's an Air Force range nearby. 
So we're not really thinking a whole lot about it. It's not unusual to see like uh, like the old AC-130 gunships doing drills. It's not unusual to hear fighter jets and stuff like that out there. It's not unusual to hear explosions out there. Well, this formation starts changing shape. Like at first it's three lights in a triangle, then it's like four lights in a square, then a diamond, and then it's like six, like six lights in a circle, and then the lights just disappear. And then they reappear much closer in like a diamond formation again, and then they just disappear again. And we're like, what the hell? So me and my roommate pull into the camp, and it's dark. It's like 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. A bunch of our buddies were at the church that they were at practicing for like a band concert or something like that. And we pull in. There's no lights around. We're like, dude, no, bad vibes bad vibes so we turned around we got back on the highway and we did like 90 going to this church because we weren't sure what it was but us being in college we're like the only way we're going to be safe is if we're in a church right now because this is some (laughs) this is some weird stuff so we hung Uh, out with them and we waited until because there were like eight or ten of them that we hung out with that we worked with at this camp and we waited until they were ready to go back and we all went back together as a group because we're like if we're going to get abducted and probed at least we're going to do it as a group together (laughs) yeah Uh, that's awesome i love you those make me so happy yeah. I've been waiting for something like, oh, I mean, I know Shannon had something and then it's like back to back UFO stories. So this is makes yeah. me happy. <laughs> it's, it's been a while. It's like, I think since episode one, she's been wanting, you know, this since episode zero. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Since episode well, that zero, was been wanting- that was my that was my little UFO experience. I, I have no idea exactly what it was. It wasn't in the right place to be the Air Force range and everything else. I was just like. No, bad vibes. Yeah, We're done. that's awesome. Well, that's exactly what Shannon said. She saw the lights. She's like, yeah, it just didn't feel good. Like I felt this sense of dread. And I'm like, yeah. I told you. Every- I mean, I guess you would feel a sense of dread when you see something like that in the sky, right? But it's yeah. just, uh, yeah, I don't no, know. We pulled out of that camp and it, was, it wasn't it was like it's the SpongeBob episode. This isn't your usual darkness. This is an advanced darkness. So we're just like, <laughs> advanced nope, darkness. we're gone. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I, I don't know how you wouldn't feel a sense of dread after watching Independence Day. Yeah, there is that. That was that came out. God, what year did that come out? Uh, ninety. Was it ninety eight? Yeah, I was. I was like nine, ten years old, probably when that came out, somewhere along those lines. So that came out at a very formative moment in my life. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Now I need to look it up, Jesus. <laughs> I, I figured, I figured, Michelle, do you you know, you have any questions I, regarding? Do you want to talk uh, about it a little bit? I mean, my okay. When you said like triangle shaped, I mean that's like I know a lot of people say that the triangle shaped UFOs are like a government kind of thing. Yeah. But then you like it went to square, then diamond, then circle, and I have nothing for you. I don't yeah. know <laughs> unless it's just like a whole bunch of different. Um, little smaller ufo things that are just changing formation i don't know that it's just creepy i want my own ufo experience but i don't want that sense of dread yeah without that for sure do you find it eric yeah 96 oh oh yeah Um, i was i was just a little guy i was like i think i was like eight or something depending on when i shouldn't have been watching it but watched it anyway (laughs) yep all right so yeah i mean i'm really excited about um this story because um i've had a similar experience so like Mm -hmm. when i when i read this i was like you know it was intriguing to me 
I mean, I, I don't think I obviously got all the full details. It was just like a brief summary of it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for you to, you know, get into it and, and, and tell this story. Cool. So uh, I guess this is the part where I tell the story, huh? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So I've been working at this nursing home for like a couple of months. I uh, just finished up with EMT school. EMT school started with me like ending an engagement with this girl that I'd been seeing for about a year. I proposed to her and then things just kind of badly fell apart. So I just kind of threw myself into the whole school and healthcare thing. And one of my partners in EMT school hooked me up with this job at the nursing home. Good place to practice your skills, get used to dealing with um, a very common percentage of the population that you see in healthcare in general, especially in EMS, and just get some practice underneath you. So I usually worked the I usually worked mid shift three to eleven, but if I needed to pick up extra money, I'd also do. 11 to 7, so I'd pull like a 16-hour shift, go home at 7 o'clock the next morning, sleep for a couple of days, and then be back filmed. So most of the time, the night shift, the overnight, you'd have a couple of residents go on their call lights because they needed help getting up, transferring to the restroom, stuff like that. There wasn't ever really a whole lot of emergent stuff that happened at night. Well, this one night, it was about... 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning, and one of the call lights went off for a resident that we really didn't deal with a whole lot. Um, I was in an assisted living, so it ranged from people who were with it and just wanted that extra layer of security around in case something did happen to them because they were getting older to um, they just needed help taking their meds to assistance with daily living, showering, stuff like that. And this resident was one of our walkie-talkies, one of the ones that was completely awake, alert, oriented, and with it. So we go to their room to answer the call light, and they're sitting in their living room watching, like, I Love Lucy reruns or something like that. So we knock on the door, we announce ourselves, we come in, we're like, hey, your call light's going off, is everything okay? And they're like, oh yeah, everything's fine, I just wanted to introduce you to this person before they left, but it seems like they already left. And we're like, um... Okay, that's that's odd because no one had come to visit this resident all day. They usually checked in at the nurse's station. They certainly didn't stay till like 1231 o'clock in the morning. So we're like, can you describe this person? And they're like, she was this pretty little blonde girl, probably about your age. This was like five years ago, so I'm like 25, 26. She's like, she's about your age, beautiful blue eyes, nice black dress, and nice flowing blonde hair. So we're like, hmm, that's um, that's strange. If you see her again, let us know because we would very much like to talk to her because you don't you don't give them this weird look like, um, what the heck are you talking about? That's just not how it works. You try to get more information, you either redirect or something like that. And it just that's just not how you do things. You don't you kind of play into it a little bit. You like, okay, well if it happens again, let us know. So we go back and documented, thinking that's a change in mentation for this person who's normally with it to be hallucinating. So about a week and a half, two weeks later, um, one of our residents that was uh, circling the drain, which is what we say when they're on the way out, there's not anything we can do, was on hospice, um, goes on the call light. 
So we go in the room and this resident's really agitated. I want you out. I want you out. Get out of my room right now. We're, and we're looking around. There's no one there. We're like, ma'am, what's, what's going on? She's like, tell the girl in the black dress to leave. So we're like, wait, what? She's like, tell that girl in the black dress to get out. So we say, all right, it's, it's time for you to go now. She'd like you to leave. And the resident chilled out after that. But that was one of those things that really just kind of made us really, really, really anxious and uncomfortable. Working healthcare during the night shift in general is kind of a surreal thing. I mean, whether you're in the nursing home or you're in the hospital or you're on the truck, there's kind of a surreal nature to it. Just the lighting is different, the atmosphere is different, everything is different. This nursing home I was working at, it's this multi-story building. Um, my town is well over 100 years old, and this building is at least 50 or 60 years old. And there's a lot of ghost stories surrounding some of the old buildings in this town. Um, there's an abandoned hotel, well there's two abandoned hotels now that have been around since the town was founded. That, are, that have a whole bunch of really crazy stories attached to them. But uh, this building was an older building. You had the creakiness, you had the lights that were flickering. There were spots where there was like mold in the carpets and mold on the ceilings, very much that surreal kind of creepy atmosphere at night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we would have to like go across the street and make sure that certain parts of the building were locked up at night and stuff like that. And whenever we went anywhere in the building, we always went in pairs, even though the building was locked up tight, it was all the lights were off. It was dark. It was creepy. There was no telling what was going on. So anyways, fast forward to about a month later, we get a resident on the call light. They're down in the dining room eating lunch. So we go downstairs, we get the resident, they're talking to us, they're in a wheelchair, just bright and happy as can be. So we get the wheelchair, we're rolling it to the elevator, and the elevator door opens, and the resident goes, oh, wow, you are beautiful. And we look, and there's nobody in the elevator. And we're like, um, who's beautiful? And the resident says, the girl in the black dress. And then they just... <laughs> Oh. They just slump over Wait. in the wheelchair, dead. What? No. Yes. Dead. So this like, resident. Of... Oh like, God. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. No, it's all good. So that was that was our response. To our response was basically, "Holy shit!" Like we check a pulse, and there's nothing there. So we what? rush this lady upstairs to the nurse's station. She's a DNR, so oh. there's nothing oh, we can do. She's just gone. But like the elevator door opens, and she just looks, and just this awe reaction on her face was like wow you are so beautiful and we're like who's beautiful Ugh. the girl in the black dress and those are her last words what the f I, like okay every time we bring her up or she comes out like i just keep getting these waves of like full body chills i've never gotten chills this many times before in yeah. an episode so already i know you're not done yet but holy shit <laughs> so also real quick dnr for those yeah. of you guys who don't know is um is it do not resuscitate? Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, we can't away, just do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And you see that a lot for older people, terminally ill, end of life care, stuff like that. Basically, they say, if I go, don't try to bring me back. Just let me go. So there's 
there's that. In healthcare, there is a, it's kind of a superstition, but it's not really because you see it happen. Deaths come in threes. So when Eric, one person- shaking your head or nodding your head. Yeah, I think I've talked about it before about the the about that rule of threes. You yeah. Know, Whenever yeah. you lose one within the course of the next few days, you lose two more. And over the course of the next week, all three residents that had talked to us about seeing a girl in a black dress passed away. One of them was expected. The other one was completely out of left field. And then there was that one in the wheelchair that was just like, what the hell just happened? So anyways, that experience kind of, like I said, I'm a, I'm a writer as well. I work with my wife on some of her stuff, but there's also, I had to kind of take a break because I got burned out of healthcare, but there was also kind of an urban fantasy thing that I was writing that kind of centered around some healthcare stuff. That experience actually inspired a character in my story that's basically the angel of death. And she's this young girl in a black, I picture her as more of kind of a gothic sort of vibe, Mm. but blonde hair, blue eyes, and a black dress. And that's the only thing we can think of because, and I was talking about this with some of my coworkers afterwards, we're like, um, like once they came and removed the body of the first resident in the past, we're like, you realize what she described, right? And we were all like, watch, we're going to lose two more people in the next couple of days. And it was the two people that had reported seeing a girl in a black dress in their rooms. Previously. Yeah. Like, and wh- go ahead. Uh, sorry. Why do you think the that one resident was so agitated, whereas like the other two were like, oh, like meet this person or, oh, you're so beautiful. And then that one was just like, get her out of here. With, um, with end of life care, with hospice and with dementia, anything that seems out of place can be a source of agitation. Gotcha. And uh, I mean, just in general with dementia, that can be the case as well. So if somebody is hallucinating, that can be a source of agitation because the hallucination is not necessarily responding to what they want. It's just their brain no longer functioning the way it's supposed to function and them seeing or hearing something that's not there. It's not uncommon for elderly patients, especially elderly dementia patients, to become very agitated and very disconnected with reality at times. Oh, okay. They'll, that makes sense. Yeah, they'll fixate on things that aren't there, or memories that aren't there. Um, you'll see a lot of older patients, especially in like a nursing home setting, as they're on their way out, will talk about seeing loved ones that have passed beforehand, which is another kind of interesting thing in itself because that is, I mean, that is a very, very common thing. Mm. So with that one resident who was nearing the end and on hospice, that's not outside the realm of possibility. But with the other two, it's just, I don't really know how to explain their more chilled and laid back reaction to it. 
Yeah. And, and the thing about it is, is too, is like, you never really know, like, like, again, that rule of three, like he was saying, it's, it's not sometimes you like, you have a patient or you have multiple patients that are like, he says, circling the drain or whatever, like, or, um, mm-hmm. or have like one foot out the door, basically, you know, like, um, and you think, okay, these are the three, like, cause as morbid, as morbid as it sounds, like sometimes you even think like you try and guess which ones are the ones that are going to go because it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, you know, these people are the ones that are like the worst off this and that. And all of a sudden out of left field, like somebody who you think was doing great, you know, up and you know passes away out of nowhere you know Mm -hmm. so it's it's just very crazy how that i guess if you want to call it a phenomena you know yeah it it happens or works or whatever Mm -hmm. and i experienced that same like rule of three phenomenon over and over and over again in the five years that i was an emt i worked um very very briefly on the truck and then transferred to a level one trauma er just because the hours were better, the pay was a little bit better. It gave me a little bit more time with my wife. A lot of times it was the older patients. Every once in a while, it would be like a really bad trauma call, like a bad car accident or gunshot wound or something like that. But it would always, once you got the first one, you were pretty much guaranteed that there were going to be two more. And sometimes it would be the same day. Sometimes it'd be spread out over the course of a week. But usually it was... There was one really bad week where it was like six over the course of six days. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's just one of those things that happens in healthcare. And it, and it's crazy, like you said too. I think my our one of the worst experiences that I had was like over the course of maybe like a month or a month mm-hmm. and a half, we lost maybe about six to nine people. Mm-hmm. You know, cause it was just like it just seemed like it was like oh, we actually ended up. I, I want to say it was between six and nine, but we did kind of lose count because it was just, it just seemed like, you yeah. know, it was and, just uh, constantly. Yeah. And of course that's pre COVID, obviously healthcare is an entirely different beast. Now I got out of healthcare um, in October of 2019 mm-hmm. is when I left the hospital and started working retail just to, I needed to get out. I wanted to do my paramedic. I wanted to do my RN. I wanted to get on flight and be on the helicopter and everything else. But we had uh, we had a couple of bad pediatric calls come in, and that just did it for me. I was just done, and I needed to get out. So I got out. I can but, imagine that can take a toll on not only you, like physically, but like emotionally, yeah. on the soul level. Like I, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Especially, especially the children. Um, I work pediatrics right now, and but I, I do home health, so I only work. I only work with one one child, and I and I'm imagining the day that you know mm-hmm. something ends up happening, which I hope it doesn't. But it, I know it's yeah. going to be devastating. Yeah, and, that's. And as as more again as morbid as it sounds, like it's just with elderly people. It's not that it doesn't you know mm-hmm. take a toll, or it's not. Uh, but it, I mean, at that point, it you're doesn't kind hit of, you as hard, right? Cause it's, it's almost expected. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I can imagine those pediatric calls that you had were mm-hmm. a lot more just draining, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, cause I know at the beginning too, for me, when I was a brand new nurse and I was having patients pass away, 
it was a very, very difficult thing for me to, you know, to deal with until again, you just finally, it, you have enough and you're just like, all right, well, I mean, it's just, this is what I have to deal with, you know? And yeah. you become you desensitized become, to yeah, it. You become a little bit numb or desensitized to the whole situation. A little bit. Yeah. And honestly, that's uh that's like a defense mechanism for your brain is oh, to yeah. kind of be detached from it, especially with like the older patients, because you're able to distance yourselves when it's uh when it's a younger patient when it's a healthier patient when it's a kid that's something that hits you a little bit differently but did you ever hear about the uh blonde blue-eyed girl in black again or was it just these three uh patients in particular it was only those three patients that i ever had that experience with i was there for maybe six months before i moved out to Texas for my wife and an EMT job. So I wasn't there very long, but the time that I did spend there, that was the, that was the main experience. And there were a couple of other little things like residents that were normally with it kind of hallucinating, but it was never anything like that. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But just going back to that, because I, I, I don't know if I mentioned the story to, to him, uh, to Matthew or Matt, um, about a similar uh, situation that happened with, with our, with our patients where this one lady, she wasn't really with it, but she mm-hmm. was, she would talk to her husband a lot. Um, and she was very jealous of one of the nurses, actually her, one of her night nurses, because she felt like the nurse was trying to steal her husband or something mm-hmm. like that. Yep. So then <laughs> one day the nurse goes in there. Or, or, no, actually, I think the nurse asked her. So, uh, you know, something about the husband. And then she go, the husband, the, the lady goes, Oh, he's not here right now. He's working around. Uh, he's working in the halls. And I, we were like, or the nurse was kind of like, okay. And then the next door to that lady's room is um, where we kept the formula for the G tube feedings. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was at my cart, uh, or my med cart, and the nurse comes out and she was like, man, I just had this really weird experience, this and that. So she starts telling me. And then all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see this man, shadow like figure, walk out of one of the rooms or he starts walking out of one of the rooms and I turn around and I guess my face must have like just there was terror on my face because the nurse was like next thing I know the nurse is jumping towards me and I turn back at her because I just see her jumping towards me and I said what happened and she was I don't know but I just saw your face and you looked very scared so I got scared too I was like and then I explained to her what happened and the thing is the the two residents that were in that room Mm -hmm. Neither one of them was ambulatory, so they're both in bed. They have they need assistance to either get up or get into their wheelchair. Mm-hmm. So there, there's no reason why a man should have walked out of that room. Yeah. And then it turned out, you know, within those next couple of weeks, we lost three residents, and the only thing we attributed it to was the lady's husband was, you working know, that halls. was working yeah. the halls. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. that's that's wild. So yeah, it was a. Uh, it was one of those crazy, crazy situations that, I, like, again, you say, like, working at a nursing home at night or in a hospital and stuff is mm-hmm. those are a lot of things that you just because everything is so much quieter during yeah. the during the night that I think is why you're able to experience those things. Because in the daytime, mm-hmm. it's just constant movement. There's people moving. So, like, if something happens, 
you might not notice it, but at night, just everything is just almost, it's, I mean, yes, there's call dead lights. Quiet. Yeah, dead quiet. Dead silent. <laughs> you know, there's uh, maybe yeah, call lights and stuff like that. Going yeah. Yeah. <laughs> never say the keyword. Um, but it's just, uh, yeah, I think that's why you have more experiences or people experience or see more things during the night shifts than any other time uh, mm-hmm. during the day. Like all the nurses I worked with over the last few years and when I was at the nursing home, the nurses aides and the CNAs that I worked with that had been there for a long time, they had some really, they had some really wild stories about things that they had seen and experienced that just like, I stopped working night shifts after a certain point because of some of their stories, but Feel free yeah. to share those. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember them. <laughs> I just remember how they made me feel. It's been yeah. Uh, it's been like I was an EMT in Texas for five years, so six years. It's been since I've actually worked in the nursing home. So pretty much all of the stories that I have for my medical career are the stories working in Texas. Aside from that one experience yeah. yeah yeah so that was my that was my craziest uh kind of supernatural experience because there's like i'm a medical professional well i was a medical professional we don't i mean people say we're a superstitious bunch but at the end of the day there's the whole concept of Occam's razor that we fall back on among competing hypotheses. The simplest explanation is often the best and most accurate explanation. So there are simple explanations for somebody having a hallucination, but for three people to experience the same hallucination and then die within a few days of each other is, I don't know how to explain that. Yeah. And, and that's my, my favorite thing is like when, people of science i like i don't know the best way to say it but yeah doctors or uh scientists things like that are Mm -hmm. like you know what something happened i can't explain it it's not science-based because we whatever the reason it you know it may be but yeah Yeah. i love when science people have experiences that are supernatural and they can't explain yeah and i mean like like there were a couple of times when I worked at the hospital that I'd like stay late or pick up an extra shift and get home around 11, 30, 12, one o'clock at night, which driving down Texas farm roads at 12, 30, one o'clock at night is an entirely different experience in itself. But that was just, I can still very clearly just, I can hear that woman's voice being like, wow, you are beautiful. And then just being gone. (laughs) That still blows my mind. That's crazy. I mean, at least she saw something beautiful and positive before she went. Yeah. But still. Yeah. I mean, we hope. Mm -hmm. In her eyes, it was beautiful. Yeah. From what I understood, talking to the other resident that was with it and talking to the family member, family members of the resident that wasn't with it, um, both of them described something very beautiful and very kind and friendly, but the resident that wasn't with it, it was something out of the ordinary and she didn't like that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's also it's something very like surreal being with somebody for like their last breath, mm-hmm. like you know, just being there and and just experiencing that life leaving the body. The, the body is just mm-hmm. it's uh it's weird. It's different. It's it's not. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just. It's, yeah, it's surreal. not really something. Yeah. yeah, that's the best way you can explain it. Honestly, is that. Mm. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of want to like change, not change the topic, but ask something else, just okay. to it being a little lighthearted because okay. <laughs> I'm sad. Um, no, it's all no, good. But um, we had a, another former Floridian. Mm-hmm. Is that Florida? Florida? Okay. Floridian, um, yeah, right, and right he talked okay <laughs> he talks about a lot of uh weird stuff that happened in florida and mm-hmm. you said the exact same thing mm-hmm. um why do you think florida is so weird not necessarily the people but just things that happen there um well i mean there's a lot of places like it in the united states when you think about it but florida is is stolen land it belonged to like the seminoles and a few other tribes that made the area home and was conquered by the Spanish when they invaded and the Spanish weren't known for mercy when they invaded a land. Like you can like read stories about how Christopher Columbus treated the Caribbean or how Cortez handled South America or Mexico or wherever it was he landed. I don't remember off the top of my head, but there's, I think there's some of that. I think, um, like just the swamps and the wildlife and everything else around here, there's just, it's just a different place. And there's a lot of places like it. I think part of the issue is that this land was conquered and mistreated in the process. And another part of it is just, it's Florida. Weird stuff happens here. I mean, the Bermuda Triangle almost touches part of our coast at one point. I remember being really, really concerned about the Bermuda Triangle when I was a kid. I'm like, why aren't we doing something about this? This seems like it's a really <laughs> big issue. But, I mean, yeah. it's it's not anymore. They've, they've kind of explained that, like, just bad sensor readings or stuff like that or just the way the currents in the ocean mess with things on the surface – yeah. And I was just, I guess, processing in my head that Florida is like pretty much surrounded by water and water yeah. is said to be a conduit for paranormal things. Don't Community. say it, Eric. Oh, okay. I thought you were <laughs> going to say something else. Um, well, no, I was going to say there's a whole theory about it, but you know. Does it have to do with stone tape? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, but, and, I, and I think that also explains uh, like in Georgia, how, how in Georgia there's so many like haunted uh you know mm-hmm. uh what's it called plantations and stuff like that mm-hmm. because absolutely of, i think like the humidity and stuff support from what we you know discussed in that in the other episode was was also has to do with with that effect and stuff like that so um but definitely all the pain and and stuff that's happened i'll uh i'll give you guys one more just real quick story before i leave i had uh yeah. I had an EMT student 
when they do their clinicals, they'll normally come for like two or three ER shifts so they can see kind of what it's like on that side of things. And then the rest of the time they'll spend on the ambulance for a 12 hour shift. So we had this kid come in on his first day again, 19, 20, young, college age, not really a whole lot of experience. Um, this kid comes in, we get started with the shift and within about Five minutes of the start of the shift, we had a multi-vehicle car crash. All three of our trauma bays were filled up. Um, we had to kind of overflow into a couple of just our regular medical rooms while the trauma team was working with them and stuff like that, just right out of the gate, which, I mean, happens from time to time. We're a level one ER. It, it was what it was. But um, he came back a couple of days later, and we had two cardiac arrests come in back to back within 20 or 30 minutes of the start of the shift. So we're like, it's not normally like this. So we look at this kid and we're like, hmm. So he comes back in for the start of the shift. I pull him aside. I'm like, I have a theory about you. I want to test it. The clock's starting now. He's like, wait, what are you talking about? I'm like, I have a theory that you're a black cloud. If we get the shit kicked out of us within the start of the first hour, you're a black cloud. And there's things that we need to do about that. If everything's good, then it was just a, it was just bad luck on your part. So this guy, we get started on our shift in about 20 to 30 minutes after the start of the shift, we had three separate car accidents, um, a CPR in progress and a stroke alert flown in by air. Like all of this came in by air. So we were back and forth from the helipad and, and like a couple of times it was a hot drop where the helicopter doesn't spin down. So you have to duck down, go underneath the rotor, help them unload, bring it back in. We had like five of those happen oh. within about 30 minutes of the shift. So we came back in and I pulled him aside. I'm like, yeah, you're a fucking black cloud. And all the nurses are like, yeah, you're you're definitely a black cloud. So they ended oh. up taking him from me and giving him to the trauma nurse that was just like blood, guts, and glory. That was that was her thing. She was she actually ended up going to nurse practitioner school. She wrote a bunch of the treatment protocols for our trauma department. That's how good she was. So they ended up giving this kid to her and being like, You gonna learn today. So <laughs> wow. that was, that's a, that's a little bit more lighthearted story to kind of part ways with you guys with, but the whole black cloud thing is very much a thing too. And then there's like the white clouds where nothing bad happens. They're, they're even more rare and they are cherished, but yeah. <laughs> wow. Or, or envied. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, I mean, it was it was good having you on. It was nice having somebody else who was on in the, who's been in the medical field on um, to hear their their stories as well. You know. Yeah. Thanks uh, for thanks for having me here, you guys. This was this was a lot of fun. We always ask our guests if they have anything to promote. Um, not that we have like a ginormous listenership, but maybe one day we might. Um, yeah. So if you want to promote anything or where people can Your find book. it. Um, I'll, yeah. I'll definitely, if I can, I'll, uh, I'll promote my wife's books. Um, they're on Amazon. It's the Chronicles of Loric series. And it's like a nine book series that's in three box sets. It's uh, sci-fi and fantasy kind of mixed together. 
and just the way she does everything. I mean, I'm, I'm biased because obviously I'm her husband, mm-hmm. but I very much enjoy the way she's mixed the elements of sci-fi and fantasy together to create something that you don't really see a whole lot. Normally with sci-fi, it just focuses on sci-fi. Normally with fantasy, it just focuses on the fantasy. You've got magic, you've got dragons, you've got space battles, you've got all kinds of really cool stuff. So if you're into any of those things, um, Kelly Blanchard Chronicles of Lorik series, that would that would be the thing that I would promote. I don't have any of my stuff published or even finished with the first draft yet, so I can't promote any of my stuff, but I can absolutely promote hers because it's pretty awesome. And she's been working real hard on it. So, Well, we'll definitely put in a, a, an Amazon link to the Facebook page and Instagram and, and the YouTube channel. When it gets awesome. Up. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm sure she'll appreciate it too. Oh, of course, man. We appreciate you being on here with us. Yeah, not a problem. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for those full body chills. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> not a problem. What? What did you think? Just as I suspected. I had full body chills every freaking time, just like wave after wave of full body chills. I have not felt that in so long. That was great. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, again, it's like, for one person to sit there and tell you, hey, like, I saw this person, but then for three different people to see the same thing, that's just crazy. Yeah. And then and then the, the elevator where they walk her into the elevator, she sees the lady and just dies. That's You're so beautiful. Dead. Yeah, what that's like <laughs> something out of a movie. I, w- I was waiting for something else. I was like, no, no way. But now he's like, no, like that was it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Those those nuts, yeah. I'm, um, again, like I I was excited to hear that because, I mean, obviously I've had personal experiences there, and uh, you hear other nurses talk about their experiences at their nursing home, but to hear somebody like in a different you know place have similar experiences, or you know, you hear the rule of three, and you're like, is that just a like an area thing, or is that like a around the world thing, or but. It's a thing, man. Yeah. I will say, actually, now since, like, we talked about death for, like, a whole hour, um, there's a new uh, TV show on Netflix called Surviving Death. Have Mm. you heard of it? No, I haven't heard of it. Watch it. Like, I'm only two episodes in, but I'm, like, first 30 seconds of that first episode, I was hooked. Like, it's it's really good. And any of our listeners, like, if you love all things, like, afterlife – watch that and i mean they have mediums on there and 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 stuff. it's just yeah i have like i said i haven't even watched the whole thing i'm two episodes in um you know the first episode is mostly about uh near-death experiences and stuff but watch that that's awesome all righty man um yeah like like i said i, I like i said I'm, I'm i was happy to hear his stories and i'm excited to share more of my experiences as well in nursing in the nursing home and other people's too, like other other nurses who have uh, you know had experiences or CNAs or doctors or whoever it is that's worked in a hospital, janitors, custodians, you know, um, because like just there's so many. I just I know there's so many stories out there of people having experiences and and I'm excited to tell and hear those stories. 
um just like i was with with matt you know because uh it's crazy it's 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 i don't know i don't know i don't know how else to explain it besides it's crazy like the the experiences that you can have in a place like that yeah Um, i bet you can imagine so if you guys do have any other stories or if you do work in the medical field, uh, I mean, obviously, if you yeah. don't either. Yeah, if you don't either. But, um, you know, going off of that theme of, of those, if you do have any other stories that you guys want to share with us, um, you can DM us or uh, email us uh, and you can reach us at on Instagram. It's at We Believe Do You podcast on Twitter. It's at WBDY podcast on Facebook. It's We Believe Do You with a question mark. And um, our email address is webelievedyou at gmail.com. So send those stories out. We want to hear them because we believe. Do you? Do you?